Your day has just begun. But for DJ and PK, they're just hitting their stride. It's time for all your headlines from the night in sports. As DJ and PK tell you what's trending. Are you ready? Ready. On 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Hashtag Utah State. Shelly straight drop back. Needs to throw. Out. Caught. Yes! Justin McGriff running a slant in the middle of the end zone. Pulls it in. And the Utah State Aggies have the score. The Aggies in white and the Wolfpack in blue meeting at the middle of Chris Oldfield. Exchanging handshakes as this one goes final in Reno, Nevada. The Wolfpack 34. Utah State 9. Nevada football is 3-0 for the first time since 2010. And the Utah State Aggies are 0-3, blown out again after grabbing a 9-0 lead. They gave up 34 unanswered points. It says here, Nevada quarterback Carson Strong with a stellar performance, 411 yards passing and three touchdowns. But I think Romeo Dubs deserves a lot of the credit. Utah State couldn't stay with him. And that Aggie defense, PK, they're giving up 38 points and 500 yards a game. They're 0-3, and I know we don't like to pick teams to go undefeated. We've talked about that with BYU. For the same reason, we don't like to pick teams to go winless. But if your defense is giving up 38 points a game and 500 yards a game, there is at least a chance that was another bad performance. No, it was awful, man. This is an embarrassment. There's no other way to say it. This team is really, really bad. Uh, you look at the last two games, for example. I mean, they are equal opportunity sucking. They give up. They Boy, give up yeah, 400 yards, yards rushing. Right, 400 yards rushing to San Diego State. And then they obviously in the pass game here in a throw game. That's just pathetic. And, you know, the question, Romeo, Romeo, wherefore art thou? Romeo's in the end zone. That's where he is. <laughs> My goodness, this is bad. I'm shocked at how the level of ineptitude here. And the schedule gets a little easier, but it doesn't look like the team's good enough that that matters. Yeah, I, I agree with you. Where do you find a win? You tell me. New Mexico. Okay, that's possible, yeah. Maybe Air Force, but the tackling issues make me think that even if Air Force isn't Air Force because they're missing 30-whatever guys it turns out to be that week, maybe 40 because it was that one, year, one week, uh, the tackling issues against the option, that's a huge problem. You're going to give up big plays if you tackle the way they did against Nevada. Well, and the offense is nothing either. No, it really isn't. And the thing is, <clears throat> you see, like, for a couple possessions, it's okay. And as soon as something goes wrong, it's over, and the other team's off to the races. So as much as there are physical problems, and there are, also confidence is a huge problem. Because the, the expression is, all the air goes out of the balloon. Well, just to underline all. All the air goes out of the balloon. It's, I mean, they're up 9 nothing, and they don't even score again. I mean, it's one thing if the other team comes back to win the game and they're better. But they didn't do anything in the last 50 minutes of the game. Nothing. Not even a field goal. And there yep. were a lot of three and outs. A lot of them. Well, the Aggies, I guess the problem with the short week or is, you know, the lack of preparation. But then you get a long week on the uh, – you got extra days to get ready. They got Fresno at home. I would think they're going to be at least a couple touchdown underdogs, but we'll see how that plays out. DJ and PK. Hashtag BYU. 
put up a lot of points and uh, the, the versatility of their offense is impressive. The fact that they can have, uh, you know, different quarterbacks, it, it's, it's consistent. That's what they've always been able to do. That, that uh, doesn't, doesn't matter the name of the quarterback. They, they get in there, they're efficient and spaced around the physical line. A run game that's really solid and it can hurt you and then uh, they have a lot of talent in the receiver receiving core and tight ends and so a uh, really really complete team on offense on defense they bring a lot of pressure they do a lot of different looks and their physical up front as well front seven and so a lot of success there i just don't um the only thing that i could say is different is i haven't seen their field goal kicker kick a field goal yet because it's all been pats and so that's that's uh that's really impressive you know and and um, you know, ho- hopefully, uh, hopefully we don't have to see him out there on the field. But, but you know, this is a this is a tough tough matchup for us, and we're looking forward to to the test. I, I think it's going to be a lot of fun for us. There's Kalani Sataki. It's going to be a lot of fun. Well, Cougar fans certainly hope so. PK, <laughs> there's so much riding on this game. It's their Super Bowl. That's not you and I hyping it up. That's a, oh, it's bigger than that. That's a former Cougar. It's the Super Bowl. G-O-T-C is what I'm calling it. G-O-T-C. Game of the century. I divine that very quickly. G-O-T-C. You could either go Go-T-C or Gotsi. Whatever Gotsi. you want. I like Gotsi. <laughs> Game of the century. A chance to go undefeated. This is it. And I love Kalani listening off what they do well. It's like, well, that's why they've lost, you know, about 40 games in 20 years. <laughs> Their average is 11-2. and two. There you go. It's because literally they do everything well. If you got to face the game you're not good at, people are going to pick on you in that, and you're going to have issues. And once in a while they do. And then they follow it up with an undefeated season. And then there's four over here. But they have another undefeated season. Yeah, yeah, they this do is the best, uh, best non-Power 5 program, not team program. You want to see uh, UCF extended out there. Cincinnati have a better run, right? They might have yeah. a better team, but they right. can't say, hey, look at 20 years. And, and I can even argue they were a better program. There was no what we called G5 and P5 at the time. But when Utah and TCU were in the Mountain West, they split two games with TCU in bowl games in consecutive years, and uh, I think they lost a one-point game to them at home. I think TCU is one of the few teams that's gone up there and won. So, and then with the Utes, we know the Utes went 0-4 against them. Uh, if you want to put two of those before the Utes got on their run with Urban, okay, but uh, Kyle lost to them twice. Urban, yeah. never, Urban never played them. Kyle lost a bowl game and a home game, and they ended that series. Yep, we're going to Pac-12. We're done. We're not playing that. We're not playing the rest of that. We're done. Thanks. Bye. Oh, yeah, there's no reason for BYR for Utah to be playing Boise, that's for sure. Boise State coming in with a couple of easy wins. The Cougars coming in with seven straight wins. Some of them have been easy, but whoever wins this is going to walk up the field feeling really good tonight. 7.45, the kickoff on FS1. Pre-game show starts at 6.30 on the Zone Sports Network, leading up to that 7.45 kickoff. We're going to talk with B.J. Raines, Boise State beat writer for the Idaho Press-Tribune and Blue Turf Sports. And a couple of questions for him. Are the Broncos going to have their starting quarterback? Are they going to have their starting running back? Uh, Holani ran for over 1,000 yards last year. Now, it does look like they might have uh, good backups at those positions, but still, 
you want your starters. Are they going to play or not? The coach is being coy about it. We'll see what B.J. Reigns has to say about that when he joins us at 9 o'clock. DJ and PK. Hashtag Utah. Well, we saw a lot of him last year. He's uh, He was just a young guy last year, you know, brand new to the program. He's a year more experienced. And, and uh, he's a good thrower. He's a, he's a very capable runner. Uh, kind of like what you saw at Herbert. When Herbert was a freshman, he was... There's similarities there in, in size and, and style of play. Not saying he's he's the next Herbert, but but uh, that type of quarterback, and and uh, you know, we just got to be ready for for uh, anything you know offensively, and you know for anything across the board for that matter. It's an opener, and anytime you're playing an opener, there's uh, a lot of unknowns, and you have a, you better have a pretty generic and uh, broad spectrum game plan that that can handle pretty much anything you see because teams can change a bunch over the course of a year so we got to be ready for different personnel groups and and things we haven't seen and they haven't put on tape in years past so so uh that's going to be a, a challenge like it is for everybody in the country in the opener it's, it's a guessing game and, and uh but but him as a as a player he's, he's a very good player and, and i think he's got a bright future there Kyle Whittingham talking about Arizona quarterback Grant Gannell and then also obsessing over everything the coaches obsess about before an opener. What if there's some surprise personnel group, some play we haven't seen with some group of players? How are we going to be prepared for that? You know he's got a list of that stuff, PK. All coaches do. He's too deep in his career not to. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of unknowns in this ball game because they haven't taken the field yet, obviously. And uh, unknowns from the Utah perspective that Arizona and someone don't have uh, an idea as far as that goes. But at the same time, you, uh, when you've been, been a coach for a good while, you've basically established who you are. I mean, I don't know that uh, we're going to see for 90% of the game uh, five wide outs and <laughs> nobody in the backfield for University of Arizona. I mean, that's yeah, just I don't I think it's that. Is. It's more about one, one wrinkle. You know, one wrinkle and you give up a big play. This game originally was on ESPNU at 2 o'clock, but they've been, and we'll get to this in a minute, there have been a half dozen games moved. And so the U game's been moved. Kickoff is now at 1.30 on ESPN2. So a little, little bigger stage there on TV for the Wildcats and the Utes. And for some of you, that's probably the difference between uh, seeing it and not seeing it. Some of you may not have ESPNU, but you probably got ESPN2. So 1.30 pregame show with Frank Dolce and Austin Horton gets underway at 12.30 on the Zone Sports Network. Utes favored by 14 in this one. DJ and PK. Hashtag college football. Well, the Pac-12's already had their first game of the year canceled. We knew Cal and Washington might be in trouble. It is. Cal's had a player test positive. Several people close to him have had to be quarantined. The game is off. There's a half dozen games off. He came out with golfing yesterday, and somewhere around the third or fourth hole, he he peeked at the phone, and DJ, Army and Air Force, off! And it's falling like flies. And you, you're never far away from it, PK. You're never far away from it. Uh, none of us are. That's uh, what we do, obviously. Uh, yeah, I understood that there was going to be games when we started, and I was going to be part of the process. Now, following up, I was listening to some uh, locally regional stuff on radio yesterday afternoon when we got done. I went to the gym, 
And they're talking about Cal, one kid who's asymptomatic, and they've got to cancel the game. And the Cal folks are upset. is furious yep. over this. He doesn't understand it, uh, and I don't understand it. I don't understand I don't, it. The, the rules are different, conference to conference. Yeah. And, you know, in the NFL, we can get to this in a second, but, you know, they got a they got three guys test positive and three guys quarantine. Sometimes they play, sometimes they they push it back a couple of days. We got Wisconsin's quarantining guys for 21 days, but Clemson has to quarantine guys for 10 days. I guess this is because, you know, every state and every conference is uh, coming up oh, with their it, own rules on the fly, so yeah, it's it, all over the map. It's not just state. I mean, you've got Berkeley you can't play. But Santa Clara, you, you can. can. Right. It's across the bay. It's literally right. the same metropolitan area. So 45, 50 miles away, you're good to go. I'm just glad now we got somebody in here who's going to put a stop to this because that's what I've been told now for the last several weeks. So let's get going on that, would you? Yeah, I think you're going to have to wait a while for that. But. No, 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 no. I ain't waiting a while. I want to hear about this. I guess I'll hear about it start at 2 o'clock. But I want to hear about it now. Boom. There it is. <laughs> Boom. The boy told me. <laughs> Two o'clock. <laughs> Ding. All right, big games. Forget. Let's not forget. Uh, forget about the games we don't get to see. Let's talk about the games we do get to see. Clemson, Notre Dame. I I've just seen Clemson win so much. It's hard for me to pick Notre Dame. I know Clemson's missing their star quarterback, but their backup looked pretty good. And you've still got athletes all over the field. Phenomenal team speed. Guys who are used to winning big games. And Notre Dame's been pretty good, but when they get to the biggest game, this is what we were talking about earlier in the week, right? If you win a big game, it just sets up another big game. And so whether it's a game to get in the playoff or a BCS final against Alabama or a national semifinal, you know, Notre Dame's been really good, but there's a hurdle they can't clear, and I'm figuring that's probably Clemson. You want to pick the Irish at home? Yeah, I mean, you, you just you look at the programs and see mm-hmm. who you perceive as better. It's not that. It's who's better this day. And Clemson's missing a defensive lineman. It's probably their best defensive lineman. And so they were susceptible early against uh, who they played last week, who was Boston College, right? And uh, so, you know, they got they can have, they turned it on in the second half defensively. So okay, yeah, but agree. didn't you see the Notre Dame offense struggle against Pitt? That was probably two or three weeks ago. Uh, you sure on that one? No, it was Louisville three weeks ago. It was not yeah, Pitt. Okay. It was Louisville three weeks ago. <laughs> Pitt was say, two I weeks ago. No, 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 no. Pitt they handled they yeah they handled Pitt easy. That was easy. <laughs> but you look at that Louisville game, and you just think, okay. And Florida State scored 26 on him. I just think if you have any weakness, Clemson sniffs it out. And you're right, I'm going to the strength of the program. But that has been paying off now for about five years. Keep picking Clemson based on the strength of the program. Guys come and go. Notre okay, Dame, sure Notre Dame winning would throw, would throw everything into a little bit of chaos. I'm, I'm completely up for chaos. I'd, I'd love to see it. I just don't know that I should get my hopes up. Well, okay, yeah, I, mean, I can't argue with what you're saying. Uh, and then as far as uh, ranked games, ranked opponents playing each other, the BYU-Boise State game, I mean, it's Friday, not Saturday, but it's right up there yeah. uh, as far as big games this weekend. The, there is a top-10 showdown. There are two top-10 showdowns because there's not only uh, Notre Dame and Clemson, which is number one versus number four, but fifth-ranked Georgia is hosting eighth-ranked Florida. And Georgia's defense has just been – in an arrow and offense has taken over. Georgia is one of a handful of teams that still rides defense to victory 
Uh, can they take down Dan Mullen in Florida? Both those teams have a loss, so if you're looking for playoff elimination games and a second loss, this would this would be an elimination game. Okay, I, uh, I think a part of that Georgia thing, their offense hasn't been good enough, and the rankings are a little skewed with yep. the Pac-12 not starting yet. Well, and that's why uh, Indiana-Michigan is two ranked teams. I think in another year with more ranked teams, Michigan, after that Michigan State loss, would have been out, but instead they're they're at number 23. Uh, Pac-12, Pac uh, Pac uh, Arizona State, USC, 10 a.m. Mountain Time, Big Fox with uh, Terry Bradshaw and Howie Long on the pregame show. That's going to be an odd look, but they've quarantined the Fox TV crew, so they're borrowing some of the NFL guys. Uh, your Devils, 10-point underdogs. You got any level of uh, of hope, of expectation for this? No, I'm like you. My team at all times. There you go. Good work. <laughs> but I do know that uh, they are having bed check here in a half hour. <laughs> it's about time to go to bed. <laughs> Just shut it down. What are you guys doing up? It's still 7.30 in the morning. Come on. And my team doesn't suck at all times. San Diego State, San Jose State, tonight, 7 o'clock on CBS Sports Network. I'm expecting a W while I watch that BYU game. So not at all times, PK. Okay, D- PK, whatever. DJ and PK. Hashtag NFL. Snap Rogers rolls right, looking end zone, still looking, throws right side. He's got his man. Touchdown. Marquez Valdez standing in the right corner of the end zone. They beat Jason Verrett. Fourth touchdown pass of the game for Rodgers. Second touchdown reception for MVS. That's a little easier to say, PK. Just just stick with the initials. Marquez Valdez-Scantling takes a long time to say when you're trying to call an NFL game and it's moving quickly. MVS is just a little easier to, to spit out. Two catches, two touchdowns. All he does is score touchdowns. Packers, yeah, well, Packers roll. Competition wasn't there. No, it wasn't. Packers win 34-17. It wasn't really that close. San Francisco with a, a couple of fourth-quarter touchdowns to make that look better. So the Packers now 6-2 and two, halfway through their schedule. Uh, big NFL games that you're looking forward to this week. You got uh, – it was supposed to be a big game, so it's more going to most of the country Sunday afternoon. But uh, Steelers-Cowboys, yikes, that's – that's lost a little of its uh, a little of its luster there. That's not so special. The Sunday night game, though, it's holding up. The five and two Saints, the six and two Bucks. That's a rematch of the season opener that the Saints won. But it definitely feels like things have been uh, trending the Bucks' way. They've been getting better, and the Saints have been winning. But it, uh, it, it you know just doesn't pass the eyeball test. They don't they don't look as explosive as they did a couple of years ago. And maybe that's just Breeze advancing age. And you know, I think down a couple playmakers as well, but still the big game of the week: six and two versus five and two. Oh yeah, most definitely it is the marquee game. But you got Seattle at Buffalo. I mean, that's that's interesting. Uh, I've been enjoying watching Justin Herbert play. It's, uh, the Raiders at, uh, at Raiders the Chargers. Chargers. That'll be on Sunday afternoon on Fox. Yeah, I know Chargers have uh, stumbled late, but they've been very competitive. They don't have the wins, but you know we followed as Kyle said earlier in the segment. We literally followed Justin Herbert since he's a freshman because yeah. he came in here in a big game at Rice Eccles and uh, beat them. So, and we've had him on the air three years in a row when we go down to Pac-12 Media Day. So, not that I know him very well, but I have spoken to him. So, I've been a fan of his. So, I'll be checking that game out. Uh, Tua, Part Tua, Miami, 
It's an interesting thing. Miami was going pretty good, and then they make that change. I know, right? <laughs> and, and they won with Tua, and his, but it doesn't seem like they can replicate that. I mean, they scored a special teams touchdown and a defensive touchdown, and both early in the right. game to swing the momentum and the strategy and all of that. So we'll see, uh, we'll see if they can replicate oh, yeah. it with him throwing he, the ball. He had no numbers to speak of. He didn't uh, look in good in the debut. pocket. He was bouncing no. around. Like in the NFL, you got to get back, stand on the spot. We can talk with Lincoln Kennedy about this next and throw the ball. The offensive linemen have to know where you are when they're blocking, and he was bouncing all over the place. Well, the idea is they have Houston's pick, which is going to be a high pick, and so they want to see if this kid is for real or not because there's some other quarterbacks out there, and they're going to have a high pick this season is what – the NFL people have been saying. I mean, I'm not following the Dolphins that close, well, but listening Dolphins, to some national folk, you're, you're, is what they've been talking about. Yeah, you're right. That is what the NFL people are saying, and the Dolphins have been saying, "No, he's our guy, and we want to play him." Now, whether they want to find out if he's a bust or if he's good, set him up yeah. to trade him because they still like one of these other guys more. You know, that scenario's out there. Oh, Ravens-Colts is another game. They're both 5-2. and two. They're not top-tier AFC contenders because I think everybody's looking at the undefeated Steelers and the once-beaten Super Bowl champs, the Chiefs. Uh, but they're certainly on the next tier. They, they clearly look like playoff teams as we approach the, uh, the midway point of the season. So Seahawks-Bills, Ravens-Colts, a couple more of the good games out there. Yeah, I think for me I'm most excited about Monday, the Patriots and the Jets. And why is that? Because you like to watch two and five and zero oh and eight. Because this is the Jets' best chance to win a game. Because if not, they're in glide path to zero oh and sixteen. No, because uh, my kid has a uh, band concert that night at the school, so I'll be busy anyway. DJ and PK. Hashtag NBA. NBA Players Association Board of Representatives voted Thursday night to approve a plan for a December 22 start. This is what we were talking about yesterday. The thought that it was out there and that it was probable. So this is one more step to reality. Uh, They still got to finalize some financial details. But uh, I think you can go ahead and circle January 22nd or January, December 22nd and December 23rd. Because your team will play one, if not two games on those two days and get things going. And so that means camp on the first, and we know we got the uh, draft coming up in two weeks. It's on, PK. The countdown to the season is here. Yeah, good. Play ball, man. That's what I want to hear. Yep. What is Trending is brought to you by Shamrock Plumbing. Receive a free reverse osmosis system with the purchase of any water softener. It's Shamrock Plumbing, 801-295-1690. That's Shamrock Plumbing. Lincoln Kennedy, Raider analyst, Pac-12 network analyst. He's talking pro and college football with us next. We'll get his picks for the weekend. Stay with us. The Big Show. It's a big deal! With Gordon Monson and Jake Scott. Josh Newman from the Salt Lake Tribune. I'm sure that you have a thousand sources that are whispering in your ear about who the starter is going to be. What's your best guess? I think it's Cameron Rising. One, he has spent more time in Andy Ludwig's system. Remember, Rising had the red shirt last year, spent game days in the press box next to Ludwig. Number two, Kyle Whittingham has kind of harped throughout fall camp. Accuracy is the most important thing. They're charting every pass. And Kyle, not too long ago, really kind of made it a point to say that Rising's accuracy has really taken a pretty significant step forward. We haven't seen practice. I could absolutely be wrong, but I'm at like 60-40 that it's Rising over Jake Bentley. The Big Show, weekdays from 2 to 7 on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Your home for Utah's best sports radio. With the hosts that have been with the Jazz, Utes, and Cougars for every step of the way. Ah! 
This is DJ and PK on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Ah, yes! DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. Football Fridays here on The Zone Sports Network. And coverage of the Las Vegas Raiders game against the Rams on Sunday is brought to you by America First Credit Union, the exclusive home of the official Raiders debit card. Same great features and benefits now with the silver and black. Learn more at AmericaFirst.com slash Raiders. And now we are joined by the Raiders radio analyst. You hear him on the game broadcast. Every week right here on the Zone Sports Network, he and Brent Musburger calling the games. And I don't know why this said Rams, because the Raiders are playing the Chargers this week. But, see, you said Los Angeles, Lloyd. Ah, and you're a Raider fan, Lloyd. That is that is sad. All right, Lincoln, welcome in. How are you? <laughs> well, well, it's fair because it's the first time in history that you will have the Las Vegas Raiders playing the L.A. Chargers. So, you know, Los Angeles Chargers. So it's it, it, it's a fair mistake. It's it's okay. We'll let it slide. Here's the deal, Jake. His wife has got something to do, so he's got the kids for a three day weekend. So he's off. Uh-huh. And Lloyd, Lloyd saw four thirty in this morning, the four thirty in the morning, and he freaked out. He doesn't know how the Sun Devils <laughs> and the Trojans are going to do breakfast at four forty five. But there have been several issues this morning, and we're getting through them. We're working through them. But Lloyd has uttered the phrase. Oh, it's so early. So many times today, I don't even have words. Well, I, I know the feeling because the internet is down here, and though I can, you know, relate to life without the internet, my kids are scrambling around before they go to school. What's what's wrong with the world? Why can't I get online? <laughs> and so I, I understand the the, the problem solving method that's meant in all of us when things go awry. <laughs> so before we get to the Raiders. We've been talking NFL with you all this year because you ended up on the Raider broadcast, but when you started doing the show, I don't think you were doing NFL games at that point. You were a straight Pac-12 network analyst, weren't you? Oh, I don't know. It was such a long time ago. We've been together for a while. I know, um, right? It's all a blur now. Yeah, yeah, it's all a blur right now. But uh, you know, I've been doing, doing Raider broadcasts for a while, whether it was from the sideline or now on the booth. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's right. The you know, it is what yeah. it is. So, well, yeah. yeah well, what, but here's the thing. You know, with, with the Pac-12 starting and already having this issue, the Washington Cal games canceled, um, you know, you kind of expected this. I don't know if you guys did, but I did. Kind of expected this because all the scientific experts had said, you know, there's going to be a spike when the weather changed, when it went to fall uh, in the winter season. And so we were going to see more, an outbreak of more cases. It was just whether how these big conglomerates were going to handle it. The NFL has its issues, as you guys already know. College football is no different. They're going to have their issues. What What seems to be... The, the main difference is that the overall philosophy when it comes to approaching the COVID, people in the South or the East, you know, for the most part, I hate to make it seem less, but I don't think they really care. I mean, they, they, there's, there's, to me, there in this country, there's, there are people who say, you know what, let's just get the virus and get over with it and just move forward. And then there are other people who are scared to get the virus, and that paranoia seems to trump a lot of things, no pun intended with the word Trump, but seems to, <laughs> seems to, you know, it seems to put 
things in perspective or to where they're like they're 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 hesitant to take their their daily action. I say that to say this. I don't know what type of product we're going to see from the Pac-12. And I don't know if there's a team that runs at the table in the Pac-12, wins the Pac-12 championship, that will still be able to participate in the college football playoff. I doubt it. I seriously doubt it. Whether it's Oregon, Utah, whomever, I seriously doubt it. Um, I, I would like to see good football. I would like to see people having fun. I would like to see people enjoying themselves. And I think sports does that. But because there's such a, a questionable time, it's hard to truly relate and understand if that's going to happen, whether it's on a college football level or even a pro football level, because you see pro football teams that are having their problems with COVID testing and, and COVID positive tests and stuff like that. What do you think about the 9 a.m. local start for the college kids? Good for them. Get their asses up. They ain't doing anything else. They go, let's go. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Tough the guy. Thing is, 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 no, in, in all honesty, if the Pac-12 is going to be relevant, it's going to have to find a way to put its teams or its games on time where people are watching it. You try to hold to 9 p.m. or later or your 7 p.m. or later after a full day of college football, there are going to be people east of the Mississippi less interested. In order for you to become relevant and viable, you have to put your team, your time, uh, your, your games on times, or at least interesting games on times where you know people are going to be watching. It seems like in the long run, they need a TV contract with two networks that says, you're going to have a late night game, but you got to put your best game on in that 1.30, 2 o'clock window, depending on whether it's ESPN totally or Fox. Totally uh, agree. And then you have totally a second agree. one at night. But that way, they can always have two of their better teams, and maybe more than that when the best teams are playing each other in these earlier time slots. And then the two games that feature last-place teams, are, you know, you're not going to have any leverage. You're probably going to end up on the Pac-12 network. Yeah, I totally agree. You know, when I travel, people are asking me about – Oregon, they're asking about Washington, Utah, USC. They're asking me about a lot of the notable names of the Pac-12, and they, they seem interested in what type of product that is. But if you put it on so late at night to where they lose interest, you, you, you're not you're not gaining anything. So, I mean, I, it's it's no slight against these other teams, but you know, you put you put Oregon State versus Wazoo on late at night if you want. You know, you, you got to put your premier teams or your premier schools on, on the front line to allow them to stand up to the Midwest games, a lot of the Big 12 games, and even some of the SEC games that happen late in the afternoon. Yeah, with that in mind, it, to me, as far as running the table and all this stuff, it's the same old issue in the Pac-12. Uh, somebody's right. going to beat somebody that we don't expect, and then they're going to fall by the wayside. And I don't see anything well, different this year, even though the games are fewer. Where, where, where we can appreciate the competition level as it is in the Pac-12, we look forward to those types of upsets, if we call them that. Unfortunately, it doesn't, you know, this country has been so used to perfection or somewhat sort of perfection, an unblemished record. If you watch the way the SEC and the Big Ten schedule their games out, you know, because they're so happy, I mean, hot, top heavy, there, there's not a, you know, look, for like in Alabama, if they're going to play LSU or Auburn, they schedule a cupcake or a bye the week before. They get themselves ready to play that game. I'm not saying that the Pac-12 needs to go down that route, but the thing is is that when a Pac-12, a Pac-12 premier school uh, gets in a bowl game, that's one thing. they got to find a way to win it because they have to put themselves on the national stage. But even more so, they got to find a way to stay, try to stay as close to perfection because if an, if an ASU uh, you know, uh, uh, upsets an undefeated Utah, 
that does no good for the national standard. Maybe good for Pac-12 because, oh, man, everybody can be beaten on any given day. But for a national standard, it does, it does no, no one any, any, any good. And so that's the problem that we face because every year we've seen, at least what we've been working together, every year we see one or two of those things happen. We're joined right now by Lincoln Kennedy, uh, Raiders and Pac-12 network analyst. Uh, as far as the Raiders uh, facing the Chargers, what do you make of a Charger team that seems to have a double-digit lead every week and seems to blow a double-digit lead every week? How close are they to figuring it out with a young quarterback, and how much is this team going to be broken by blowing so many leads? Anthony Lynn used to look pretty confident on the sideline. I thought he right. looked really beaten down in Denver as that big lead disappeared and they lost at the end. I mean, it's it's got to add up psychologically, doesn't it? Well, first of all, I hope it, they don't figure it out this week because the Raiders have to play Chargers. <laughs> but but I will say this, you know, with coming into this game, um, they found their franchise quarterback in Justin Herbert. This offense is second in the National Football League with yards per game uh, at 417 or something like that. Um, and so that means they can they can they can definitely move the ball. Herbert's got some weapons. He's playing phenomenal, uh, and he looks like he's going to be the part for the rest of uh, his career, at least in the, in the Chargers uniform. Um, but when, when you look at it, well, the way I kind of equate it and breaking down a lot of the games they did this year, it seems that they become conservative after they get leads. Uh, what I mean by that on both sides of the ball, they're not as aggressive in pushing the ball down the field or trying to push the ball down the field uh, with long passes. Herbert has struggled this year with short and intermediate passes versus zone coverage. But versus man-to-man coverage, he has pushed the ball. He's taking some chances. He's had some big gains uh, throwing the ball down the field. The run game is a little bit inconsistent due to the to the um, um, deficiencies on the offensive line. So that's been a little bit inconsistent. But they have had times where they've gotten big chunks and big runs. Uh, defensively, it seems like teams, that in, especially in the second half, have made adjustments towards their defense to be able to take some shots. And I also think that they played a little bit more zone prevent style uh, of uh, defense in the second half when they had substantial leads at a point just looking like they just want to try to get through games rather than take over games. Um, and that's you know a, a big drop-off because most of the people will tell you, especially in the National Football League, if you've got your foot on proverbially somebody's neck, you don't take it off to let them breathe. You, what you do is you keep it on there and you press, you keep the pressure on them uh, and, and make them try to figure it out. Um, but the Chargers have, have relinquished a lot of those leads and made a lot, get a lot of those games a lot more interesting than they need to because they don't know how to finish games. Uh, and I think that's what adds to the 2-5 and five record. However, historically, if you look at the Chargers, they do bad the first eight weeks, seven, eight weeks of the season, with it, whether it's injuries, inconsistent play, however you want to look at it. Then the final, the second half of the season, they turn it on. They look like a true playoff caliber team. Again, I'm hoping that doesn't happen this week, but this is a very dangerous team. I'm watching that game last week in that miserable weather, the Browns and the Raiders, and I still don't miserable, know if I understand. Com- <laughs> that's <laughs> yeah. fun stuff. Come I don't on, know if I what, understand. That's what, that's what I deem fat man weather. You can run all day and not break a sweat. That's fat man weather. That's good stuff. What's, what's wrong with that? True. Yeah, but I, and plus, it seemed like it had a little bit of everything. Every possible yeah. weather uh, element came through during the course Certainly. of the game. I was figuring you were probably glad you didn't have to travel to that one uh, watching that Well, that's, game. that's very uh, true. But Cleveland is cold. It's cold there. So. 
I'm not sure I still know what a catch is because I didn't think that Renfro caught the ball. I thought there was a lot of it that hit the grass, and I was surprised that they upheld that touchdown. I think it was a makeup call because I think they when you went back to the rugs, it was so close it could have went either way that they wanted to try to make right. it up. But I, I agree with you. You know, you could you could have went either way with it. Uh, the thing is, is that I think every it seems like every season we're tested on what is a catch, right? You know, because yeah, last night, exactly. you know, watching the the, the, the Green Bay Forty uh, er game when the receiver initially came down with the ball and they ruled it a touchdown, the 49er receiver, I don't know his name, uh, came down with the ball and they ruled it a touchdown. I saw the ball bounce off the ground. I'm like, well, how the hell are they calling that a touchdown? But both both referees <laughs> sat there and agreed that it was a touchdown until they went to review and reversed it. So, you know, it, it seems like every year we're trying to we're trying to define what is a catch. And it's really crazy because, you know, we as fans, we just want them to get it right. So, it's like, you know, the guys that are sitting there, it's like, oh, wait a minute. There was a sliver of white between his cleat and the sideline. So that's, or green. I said, so that should be a touchdown, right? No, and go back and like, oh, no, we're going to reverse. So I think it was kind of a makeup call, but, but you're right. It seems like every year, um, and in a lot of games, you have those, those questionable calls. I honestly thought that Renfro, uh, the, the ball touched the ground because I saw his outside arm, um, adjust when the ball hit the ground or when the ball, the point hit the ground. And to me, that is not a catch, but they rooted the catch anyways. I'm curious what you thought of uh, Tua Tungavailoa in his uh, first start, because you play in the offensive line. I just know what offensive right. linemen have told me on TV. Uh, but watching games, I've always been told in the NFL, the quarterback has to get back and hit his spot because the old linemen right. have their back to him and they have to know where he is because it's all Certainly. about angles. It's all about angles. And when Tua's bouncing around with a happy feet in the pocket, I would think that would drive offensive linemen nuts. To his credit, I thought he tried to stay in the pocket, but it's not a 15-yard circle like it is at Alabama. It's the NFL. It's a tight space. What would you think? I, I totally agree. And thank goodness that he was bailed out by special teams in the defense that time because, or, you know, you might have been talking disastrous. You know, what, what, what? the thing is with the young quarterbacks, I think we saw this with Kyler Murray. It probably started with, uh, Baker Mayfield, there's there's a little bit of a transition that's happening. What's what what's leaving us is the prolific pocket passer, the you know the Peyton Mannings, the, the Andrew Lux, the, even the Trevor Lawrence. But Trevor Lawrence is a little bit different because you know coming to the league, he's he's a mover just like Justin Herbert. He's he can move, he can run, and so he's not just stand tall in the pocket. But he that, does have that ability. I say that to say this: when the Cardinals made a move from Josh Rosen out of UCLA, a traditional pocket passer, to Kyler Murray. You saw the NFL ready to absorb the future that is college football. If you look at college football as a climate, no longer do you have the stand-tall pocket passers. You have the Russell Wilsons, the Patrick Mahomes, the Kyler Murrays, those guys, the athletes that are capable of moving, played a couple sports, probably played baseball somewhere in their, in, in their lifetime. Uh, that are able to improvise and make things happen on the run. And for a while, the NFL was, was adamantly against that because I don't want to run a quarterback. He's going to get hurt and so on and so forth. Um, Tua Tagovailoa is one of those guys that has been often injured in college, so people cringe when he has to move around. However, they're flabbergasted by the level of talent that this young man has, especially being a left-hander, writes with his right hand and throws with his left hand, so go figure that out. But – you know, the, the the talent that he could possibly be and what he can do for Miami. And Miami still has a ton of draft choices, high premier draft choices, so they can build a, st- a seriously strong team around him. 
in the interim, we're all on pins and needles to see what he can do right now. I thought it was a mistake for Miami to start him last week, especially against the Rams. I said there's no need. You're you're you know you're tied for uh, second place or you're in second place, and there's really no need. Fitzpatrick wasn't playing poorly. You don't need to make that move. But ownership and coaching staff want to see what they have in a future franchise product because they do have a lot of trap choices. So they have to analyze what they have as far as premier players. Um, the performance, uh, you know, was it wasn't stellar to me as an uh, as a as as an uh, individual performance. The team around him rally, which shows bodes well. Now it looks like Miami is in the thick of things in the AFC, and they might just have a quarterback. Yeah, that's the funny thing. You know, they might just have a quarterback. I don't know if it's always been that way, but certainly in the last many years, it seems like the this search to find whether you have that franchise quarterback is now the phrase has just consumed teams, and it's like you have to find if you have it. And so they're playing these guys younger, and then even though they're getting the playing time younger, it seems like they're more willing to quickly go away from them. So I'm wondering how fair it is for these quarterbacks, because we're seeing the same thing with Darnold now with the Jets. They're talking about going away from him. It's like if you're not an instant success at the quarterback or show some immediate promise, they're going to run away from you within two or three years. It's because the emphasis on the rookie contracts, the first contract, to get as much as you can out of the first contract out of that player. Because the truth of the matter, the way the quarterback salaries are going, and if you look at you know the, the, the premier quarterbacks, if a guy's doing well and he's and he's and he say he's at the top of the game where he's productive for any individual individual team, then it puts them in a clay and it puts him in a, clay, a case where he can. His agent can argue for a thirty-five to forty-five million dollar contract a year. That's that's what happened. The Russell Wilsons, the Patrick Mahomes, and everything you know, Deshaun Watson, all those guys, you know, um, put those contracts so high that you've got to get if you want to keep your guy, you've got to get in the conversation with that. And so they have to see what they can do within that time frame. Because unlike you know the other sports where you talk about the the, 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 the you know salary cap, the salary cap for the NFL is a hard cap. And so if you commit a $130, $140 million contract to one person, you're probably going to have a hard time signing other people around them. So then, therefore, the variable of rookie contracts become an emphasis because after the fourth year, if you don't pick up that option for the fifth year, you can release, release that guy and start over again. However, if you miss with a first-round pick and a top-ten pick at quarterback, you set your team back behind four years. So if so, so case in point with Sam Darnold. Though I don't think Sam Darnold's a, a bad player. I don't think he has weapons, and I think the New York Jets are a disaster. The New York Jets are at a at a point where if they don't win any games and they have the first pick, and everyone is touting Trevor Lawrence as the next great thing at quarterback, would would they be wrong? Would they be would they miss if they don't take him? So if he fun. turns out to be a, a stellar All Pro, you know what I mean. That that's what I'm talking about. So that's why trade, you know, Sam Sam Darnold becomes trade bait and uh, you know the conversation pieces uh, because they don't know. They just they don't know. But they but there's a bur- there's a thing like when you look at Joe Burrow's or you look at you know other premier quarterbacks that came out of number one pick. Oh my gosh, he looks so great. You've got to get him. You you got to take him. You can't miss. Don't miss on this. This will do your franchise bad. It won't sell tickets. That's where the Jets are at. 
He's Lincoln Kennedy. He's a Pac-12 network analyst. He's the analyst on the Raider radio broadcast. You'll hear the Chargers and the Raiders Sunday afternoon, 2 o'clock, right here on the Zone Sports Network. Lincoln, thanks for joining us as always, and we will talk to you again next week. Guys, be well. Have a great day. I'll talk to you soon. There's Lincoln Kennedy. He's here every Friday for a football Friday. Now, PK, while we were talking to him, news was breaking. People are screaming, news dump, terrible story. They want to hide it. We'll tell you all about it next. Stay with us. Now, let's get this party started. This is Hans Olsen and Scotty G on the Zone Sports Network. The play-by-play voice of BYU, Greg Rubel. Boise State announced pending permission from local health authorities. They're going to allow a number of students to come in and be a part of that game. Your thoughts on on kind of that announcement? I'm in favor of environment over no environment, right? I love the ambience of college football, and any crowd noise is good noise as far as a radio broadcaster is concerned. I guess I would just say if, you know, student-athletes, parents or family members are, are going to be allowed in the building, well, that's great. It'd be nice if the same courtesy is extended to BYU if they have people that want to attend. It'd be kind of weird to have a game of this magnitude played in a truly empty building. And so while it might benefit Boise to an extent, I think even the Cougars would welcome a little bit of buzz, a little bit of juice in the building on Friday night. Hanson Scotting, weekdays from 10 to 2 on 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. We just talked some football with Lincoln Kennedy, Pac-12 network analyst, Raider analyst, and in the meantime, PK, the Boston yeah. Red Sox, there are yeah. multiple reports out that Alex Cora is right. coming back as manager. Wait a minute. At the same time that presidential votes are being announced and America is distracted, news dump, news dump, there are people going berserk on this on Twitter. You can't really. Can you? Why should it have to be a news dump, though? Well, the thing is, it's like it. It's gonna be so front and center for an entire baseball season. You can't really hide it, and yet at the same time, who announces their manager at uh, nine in the morning on a Friday? You've made the choice. Why not? I don't understand it. I don't think they have anything to be embarrassed or ashamed of. I don't think they have anything to hide here. And I guess if they if they announced it at two o'clock on a Wednesday, it wouldn't be a big deal. But at the time, he makes it look like they do. I, I, I get your I point. Disagree. He wasn't he wasn't banned from baseball, right? So he paid a penalty, and there it is. But you get second chances, blah blah blah, yada yada. We all know. But it's still yeah, weird. This cheating thing in sports has always just baffled me, because cheating is going on to one degree or another all the time. What is cheating? Once you introduce something as wrong, you can't turn around and over here. And we're seeing it, you know, politically. And I'm not a political person. Oh, the election is rigged. Oh, wait a second. The Russians were involved. And now this. What are you doing over here? But over there, it was fine. And this, the college, you didn't like the voting system then, but now you like it now. And you don't like it then, but you, you know, blah, 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 blah. I can't follow it. Everybody is just, uh, you know, whatever your cause is at the moment, you forget everything else. So this cheating thing, yeah, he's acknowledged it, right? Was it wrong? Absolutely. But what is going on here as far as, you know, the steroids are involved or even just sign stealing? You know, what is gamesmanship? There's all this huge range here. 
And I am no moral dictator by any stretch. So I am the last guy with all the mistakes that I've made to be condemning anybody on anything, basically. Which is I try to stay away from all that pontificating. It's just a fascinating thing to me as far as what is acceptable. And the, the, the way Houston did it, okay. Pretty much can universally agree that's not acceptable. And there were sanctions, but yet there were no sanctions on the players. Boom! There and they it were the is. Ones, they did it too. I know. That's the. <laughs> that's the. There's two huge red flags in this. One, I think you're right. The what is cheating and what is not. It can be a gray area, right? Does a catcher, when he full well knows it was a ball, does he try to frame that, right, and kind of pull that pitch in? Of course he does. Okay, is that cheating, right? So that's acceptable cheating. (laughs) But over here is the unacceptable cheating. We all know you're not supposed to put a guy in a wall with binoculars and a buzzer and then bang on a drum, okay? You're not supposed to. If you can stand a second base and look in and touch your cap and give a guy a clue, okay, Fine, that's okay. But we know that. But we also know that the Red Sox and the Astros aren't the only two teams that did this. Baseball didn't look very hard. As a matter of fact, I don't think they looked at all to find a third team. An ex-Astro went public. There was no way to ignore it. But they punished as few people as possible. And the players, their punishment was they had to sit at a press conference at a table at spring training and say, we shouldn't have done that. Even though their body language was like, this is BS, I'm out of here. It was, it was such a weak, half-you-know-what half, half apology. Come on. So should Cora take True. the hit forever? Yeah. But I think that Cora should be hired at a press no. conference at noon on Wednesday. It does feel like on a Friday morning, you, you are kind of, you are a little embarrassed. I don't, I don't this know is about news that. dumpish I think, behavior. You know, just, I don't think it is because I think that they reached their decision here most recently. And so the, the timing, I, maybe I'm wrong, and it's not going to be the first time or the last time. I, uh, it's incidental. The good thing is both these guys, well, Beltran was going to manage the Mets. He's still out. But Hinch and Cora now are back. Right. Now, Cora stays where he was, and Hinch has to go from a premier team to a lousy team. But it's still, you know, there's only 30-some of those things, these jobs. And so he's got one. So be grateful for that. And, you know, Altuve's rounding third, telling the team, don't rip off his shirt. (laughs) And we know the story. Runs in the locker room and then comes back out. And nothing. And then this year, and I can't say completely because it was a funky season, obviously, but statistically was way down. Uh, but this whole idea of cheating, it's just, it, 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 it is, it, you say a gray area, but it's a gray area the size of Grand Canyon. <laughs> so I'm talking about the natural wonder, not the university. The, the thing about it is I don't see that the Red Sox just came to a decision on Cora because he had a great run with them, <laughs> right? They, they won the World Series. They had good teams. They were terrible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They were yeah, terrible yeah. this year. And most teams, when they have a great run, they get a chance to rebuild. We have said that about the Giants after winning, you know, three Super Bowls in, or three World Series in five years in San Francisco. You know, they get a chance to rebuild. But the Red Sox and the Yankees have the kind of payroll – where, well, you can rebuild for two weeks, <laughs> but then you better get back to it. Yeah, but I think that's that was the Mookie Betts thing, is that it was a payroll decision. So, uh, you know, I don't know what's going on there as far as what what they're willing to spend. But it's not surprising. I'm want happy to bring, for the guy. Yeah. He, 
It's, he paid his price. It, it, you know, if you extrapolate into the real world, uh, some some guys, some people serve time, and, and obviously all crimes are not equal, and so you can get into that. But so you're run of the mill criminal if there's such a thing. You know, it pays the price. Does he deserve an opportunity to get back? And while he's doing what the law tells him to do, so Cora did what was told of them interestingly both these guys well not not beltran but hinch and cora their suspension was ends up really only being like a two-month suspension mm-hmm. short you know year because I mean? they only played the games yeah. short year yeah for such a a small period of time i mean it wasn't like the nba where you pretty much got the entire season in it was all funky the way you did it but you got a high percentage of your games in, and then you had the playoff. Well, baseball, no. They had a real low percentage of games, and the season was really, really sliced. So it's just crazy to see how this stuff goes. And I, and I applaud baseball for trying to root out the changes. I mean, to root out the cheating, I should say, because the idea of the pitching is supposed to be you know, getting hitters off balance. Not everybody can stand there and just, I don't really actually think anybody anymore can stand there and just throw the ball by you uh, because if they know what's coming, I just remember Mike Trout. They asked him, would you like to know the pitches? And he smiled and he just said, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And so that's all he said. Like, you got to be kidding me, man. Of course I would. It would be so much easier because the essence of pitching is to try to, have the batter and the hitter off balance, but if he knows what's coming, that whole theory of off balance goes out the window. You don't want to fall behind. In but the yet, yeah. here I am, here I am coaching, uh, I think it was, uh, I think it was probably 13-year-olds, and at catcher, uh, I could see the signs. <laughs> and so I told the guys, <laughs> okay, first name is fastball, last name is curveball. <laughs> One of the guys who ended up starring at Utah State in football, Jake Dowdy, who was mm-hmm. always uh, was always a way mature kid. And some of these kids had no idea what I was talking about. And I said, so if you want me to say it, let just tell me. He said, yeah, you tell me, man. I want to know. <laughs> well, that's the whole point about trying to work the count. So you know that the – you know, 3-1, the pitcher's got to throw his most reliable pitch, and it's probably a fastball. Now you know what's coming. You know, it's the, So there I was. The that's why I don't condemn cheating, because I was cheating my, uh, my you-know-what off but in see, that's, baseball. But that's legit, you know. <laughs> They're trying to use signs so you don't know, but if they show you the signs, well, then you do know. I, I know, but isn't that a form of cheating? And particularly, it was like 13 years old. Where was my scruples and my morals? <laughs> Screw that. I wanted to win. <laughs> Everybody does. That's why we keep score. You know, I love that. All the parents are like, the score doesn't matter. And then you turn around to, you know, the six-year-old kids. What's the score? It's two to one. Like, okay. And there was one play, you know, the fist is universal to throw over to first. Mm -hmm. So I was actually coaching first. And I told our guy, I said, okay, be ready. He's probably coming over. And the coaches, the, the visiting team was the first base. The opposing team was right in the first base dugout. So they could hear me. And they had no clue. Like, how do you know we're coming over? What do, what do you think? These They weren't sophisticated enough. Your catcher there, you might want to tell them to <laughs> tighten up back there because <laughs> I could see everything. <laughs> Tuck that knee in, dude. <laughs> that right knee is uh, it's open into the parking lot. I could see it so much. 
All right, DJ and PK, we got David Locke coming up at 8.30, his weekly Friday visit. The NBA planning its return. Are the Jazz going to have two games in before Christmas? Are the Jazz high enough profile that they'll end up playing on Christmas? we got plenty to talk with David Locke about. There's contract decisions to be made. There's draft coming up in two weeks. So there's a lot on the table. We will get to that. But we got the question of the day coming up next. Big game tonight. What's your prediction? We will get to that next. Stay with us.